And welcome into the Y'all Show Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern. We are all jacked up here on this Thursday edition of the show. We're jacked up because we're having a problem with our jack, our jack that allows us to play some great music. So guess what? I am kind of at a loss with some of our intro. So if you're listening to us today, we're going to sound maybe a little bit different. We're going to give up on trying to get this jack thing to work here, and we're just going to go naked for the next couple of hours. Hope you don't mind. As we are the Y'all Show Talk with an Accent on the South, 803-816-1170 is the way to get in touch with us here at the Y'all Show. Our website is yall.com, and we are just glad that you could join us for what some call today football time in the South. Yeah, some places they actually squeeze in the state name in that little battle cry, but it is football big time today. We're going to talk about it here. I was hoping to play a little audio courtesy of Dabo Sweeney, and, you know, maybe I can try another way to get into the board with this particular apparatus and maybe have better luck, and if I can do that, let's see what I can do here. Bear with me, y'all. This is what we call live broadcasting at its finest. And here on the Y'all Show, we try to give you plenty of great live programming and great period, just great programming across the Southeast. So we will have that today, and we've got lots of big games on the schedule. We'll be telling you what some of those are. we got some games today. I'll be telling you what those are. But we've got a lot more than sports going on, and we'll tell you here as we roll on with today's Y'all Show, the lineup. We have headlines from across the southeast. Believe it or not, it looks like we're going to end up having more people killed from Hurricane Ida up in the northeast and not necessarily here in the south. I will explain the latest. I will relay the latest on this deadly tropical storm that's passed through most of the nation here in the last few days, and it has not been a very comforting good couple of days from a standpoint of deaths And big news again today with so many people losing their life in New England. So we'll have all that coming up here on today's Y'all Show. We'll have information also coming today on the Y'all Show from throughout the various southern states and more. And so we'll have all that passed along your way. We have sports information in addition to the start of college football. We will have all that's going on in the NFL ranks here today, so that will be coming your way. And then today, our featured college, our featured school that I'm going to have to pull up a fight song somehow, some way, because you just can't have y'all's Southern College Football Tour without having a little tiger rag. Today, we're in Clemson, South Carolina, the number three in one poll, number two in another poll Dabo Sweeney, Coach Clemson Tigers, are stop number 43 as we're on this tour getting you ready for the college football season. And we're going to let you know how the Tigers are reloading this year. Trevor Lawrence has moved on to be the starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Tigers have an extremely gifted arm and extremely gifted legs of a California QB that's now entering his second season, suiting up in the orange unis with a big old giant tiger paw on the side. 
I'll let you know about Clemson football here in this first hour. We will also discuss Clemson's football history. This is a school in South Carolina that has now cranked out three national championships, two of which have come in just the last couple of years with Dabo Sweeney leading the program. Danny Ford led them to a 1981 national championship. So it's Clemson Tiger Talk here on today's Y'all Show. Walking through their schedule, boy, do they have one heck of a game to start the year. Clemson and the Georgia Bulldogs will go at it. These are old, hated rivals that, for whatever reason, just don't play that much. And that's because they're in different conferences. It's because Georgia always has to play Georgia Tech from the ACC. So the two schools haven't necessarily gone out of their way to try to play somewhat frequently through the years since the SEC-ACC way was set up from a scheduling standpoint. But this is just too good of a game to miss. It's my favorite game of the entire weekend. Clemson and Georgia, a top five showdown in uptown Charlotte from Bank of America Stadium is where you'll be able to tune in ABC Saturday night and see that one. So we'll talk about the 2021 Clemson team the history of Clemson's rich football tradition. Tradition of three national championships. They've never had a Heisman there in Tigertown. And we'll let you know about Death Valley more. Of course, that falls into our three. When we talk about Clemson University as a university, it is definitely getting lots of publicity these days for its academic reputation and its long history of being like the Auburns and Mississippi states of the world and Texas A&M, a land-grant school that had a military element. They ultimately surrendered the military element around 1960 and launched in a big way the Clemson University that we know of it, know it as today. So we'll have information on the history of Clemson, its enrollment. Then we'll talk about Clemson Tiger alumni. And we got... A lot of people who've gone to that school, and I'll show and tell you, show and tell Tiger style today of some of the most famous alums. Do you, do you know a Clemson alum? Because chances are it's not that hard to find who's a Clemson alumnus. They usually have that darn Tiger Paul somewhere pretty visible, whether it's on their pick 'em up truck or maybe a tattoo or something. Every time I'm in the Palmetto State, that Tiger Paul is everywhere you turn. And Clemson alums are everywhere I know because most of my immediate family are Clemson folks. And I'm not too happy about it. (laughs) So we'll talk about Clemson big time, the alumni. And we'll, of course, talk about the traditions. Of course, Clemson, an ACC school, does have some fantastic traditions. I would have to give Clemson the honor of having the most celebrated and coolest arrival at a football game when they run down the hill at Memorial Stadium. It is truly one of college football's greatest scenes. I don't know how they don't break their ankles each time when they go out there and do that. I had a a great friend of mine who just passed away last year, but he was a Clemson football letter winner, and he did bust his tuchus. A couple of years ago, after Clemson won a national championship, they invited all their football alums to run down the hill. And my old buddy, Ellis Dantzler, who played at Clemson in the 1960s, he he busted his tail 
and the whole stadium saw it. And unfortunately, I don't know if that attributed to his passage a couple of years ago, but I know it did not feel good. I know he was embarrassed. All right, so we'll talk about Clemson's traditions from that tiger paw to running down the hill to that orange and the Esso Tavern. Don't want to leave that out. So much to say about Clemson, and we're going to do that. And let me just hear, before I forget, as a native sandlapper, I've got to do a little education, a little teaching to all y'all across the South, in case you do not know that, okay? In case you are not aware how you properly pronounce Clemson, okay? Clemson does not have a Z in the name. You got to kind of put a P in the word Clemson, okay? It ain't Clemson. It's not Clemson. It's Clemson. And you got to put it with a little upstate redneck drawl to it. Clemson. I'm going to go see the Clemson Tigers. Yep, that's that's the school. And we're going to talk about that school today. So I'm helping all you Clemson folks out here today by properly telling the rest of the South how to pronounce the darn word. And if you don't know how to spell it, well, that's pretty easy. And if you don't know how to spell it and it's that easy, all you got to do is go to a Clemson game and you're going to hear the crowd echo on one end of the stadium to the other. See L E M S O N, or maybe they go S O N. I don't know. I just been I've been there a lot. I've been to a lot of Clemson games. Usually not pulling for them. By the way, just did that a couple of years ago. Rooted against them, and they destroyed my team. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> but it's Clemson Tigers. And tomorrow, as we wrap up our tour, this today is our 43rd stop on a 44 city journey across the southeast. It all comes to an end on the Friday Y'all Show. We're going to be in Tuscaloosa. Can we go ahead and just call that the capital of college football? You know, Tuscaloosa was the capital of the state of Alabama at one time back in the 1830s. I think that's why the University of Alabama is located in Tuscaloosa. It was put where the state capital was right on the shores of the Black Warrior River. But that state capital ultimately moved to a place called Montgomery. And the university decided to stay put in T-Town. And tomorrow, on Friday, it's all Crimson Tide, as we'll be sharing with you the 2021 Crimson Tide football schedule. We will be hearing perhaps from Nick Saban, if I can get my jacks squared away today. You'll be hearing from the coach, the lovable Nick Saban. And we will be telling you about some famous University of Alabama alumni. And we'll, of course, walk through the great tradition of the capstone. That, again, coming your way on the Friday, y'all, show our final stop. And I better put out a public disclaimer here since we are discussing football, college football to be specific. We will have on the Friday show, our first hour, we're going to have the Y'all Kickoff Show. It's going to be one complete solid hour of college football starting on the Friday show and each Friday throughout the rest of college football season. So you'll get your feel of what's going on in the weekend lineup of your favorite teams. And again, that will be on our Friday Y'all Show, hour one, 
becomes the Y'all Kickoff Show. And mixed in with our breakdown of the schedule and where you can tune in and see the various games, we're going to have General Gridiron Field Marshal of Football Forecasting. And the General puts a humorous take on the weekend's big games. So you'll make sure you tune in and hear that and feel that come Friday on the Y'all Kickoff Show right here on your favorite Y'all Show station. So we got lots of going plus also on Friday, in addition to talking about the Crimson Tide in a big way and mixing in Hour 1, the Y'all Kickoff Show. Our buddy Craig Faulkner is going to be dropping by with his fishing forecast. And you know what September equates to from much of the South? It's dove hunting time. And Craig Faulkner is going to give us some big-time scoop on dove hunting. He's going to specifically tell us about his journey to find some ammunition to go out and take down a few of the South's dove inhabitants. So Craig Faulkner dropping by Friday. But you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. And I just get so excited here talking to all y'all that that's why... I'm getting ahead of myself. I better tell you what's on today's y'all show because I know you're sitting on the edge of your lazy boy or lazy girl. Want to know what the heck that John Rawl fella, why, why is he talking about Friday? Well, let's, let's hear what he's got coming up today because, you know, uh, if, if today's show's not so good, I'm just going to go ahead and take my 20-hour nap and wake up just in time for Friday's y'all show. Hmm. No, don't do that. Listen up now. We're going we're gonna to have a good show today. So we are talking Clemson today. We're talking about the news and sports of the Southeast. We've got a little hashtag huddleblue we're going to try to squeeze in today as well. Hour two, we got some entertainment news to pass along. And you know we got some good entertainment news passing along when yours truly is hot-wired into all of the Nashville publicists. And I just got this email in, and it's big news if you're a fan of Ray Stevens. So stay tuned. For some Ray Stevens news coming in our entertainment report in the second hour of today's Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We also have coming up in the second hour of today's Y'all Show, we'll have all kinds of fun stuff in terms of the business world. So that's coming up. Melissa Rhodes, she's filing a Southern business report in our second hour. In the final hour today, we'll have more on the Clemson Tigers and more headlines. Plus, I'll let you know where some great festivals are taking place around the Southland here this very weekend, this Labor Day weekend. There's going to be a lot of options. Now, one option I would have told you about, I want to remind you in case you didn't catch the news on Wednesday when we had our show The Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival in Manchester, Tennessee has now been canceled. A concert and a festival that draws nearly 100,000 people to this southern middle Tennessee town. It's been canceled, and it's been canceled not because of coronavirus, as that virus has pushed it back several times. No, what happened this week is Hurricane Ida, and at the time, I guess, going through southern middle Tennessee, it would have been Tropical Storm Ida. The rain from that has caused so much disaster out there where this music festival takes place. Mud, people getting stuck, things just... You just can imagine what it would be like after a monsoon comes through 
an area probably already filled up with tents and and other roads, temporary roads put in for this music and arts festival. Bonnaroo canceled. So just wanting to put that out there before we move on to some of the other music and exciting options for Labor Day weekend 2021. So we'll have all that to wrap up today's y'all show in our third hour. All right, let's get into a handful of news items before we take our first break. And as mentioned, Ida, the death toll has now climbed and many of these deaths are not coming from the southeast. They're coming from the northeast as a bunch of people are out looking for survivors at this point as this thing has packed lots and lots of rain in the northeast of the country. At least 12 people have died in New York City alone with basements flooding. And according to officials, at least 12, or you got 12 in New York City Officials are saying at least eight people have died in New Jersey, three in Pennsylvania's Montgomery County, and more. Just a horrible loss of life. I still think we're below five in terms of the death toll here in the southeast from Hurricane Ida. And for this thing to have come ashore early in the week and already causing more deaths in the northeast, and I saw an article how can a hurricane end up killing people a thousand miles away? Well, that's what we're seeing. These things, with their rainfall, with their winds and more, can just be devastating. The New York governor, the new governor, governor of the Empire State, Kathy Hochul, and Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City are getting out and talking. The new governor saying... We did not know that between 8.50 and 9.50 p.m. last night that the heavens would literally open up and bring Niagara Falls level of water to the streets of New York. And that evidently is what happened as they've had close to six inches of rain in New York City. And I'm sure the national media is all over that story, but still really bizarre that Ida has caused so much devastation and loss of life in the northeast now we do know of an ida related i won't call it death because we don't have confirmation at this point but what a sad story coming out of saint tammany parish in louisiana right now a woman there from slidell louisiana told deputies of saint tammany parish that she was in her home monday when she heard a commotion went outside to find a large alligator attacking her husband Her husband was walking in floodwaters just after Hurricane Ida had passed through Slidell on the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain. The woman says she ran to stop the attack, then pulled her husband out of the water and returned inside to get first aid supplies. But when she returned and realized how severe his injuries were, deputies say she got into her Piro and went to get help. When she got back in her Piro, Her husband was no longer there, and now they are searching for this man. Deputy used high-water vehicles and flat boats early in the week to search for the man. And I can't imagine how devastating this would be for the woman. She knew he was injured and, and went and got help and came back, and he was no longer there. So right now, 
authorities searching for a survivor. We hope, we hope he was. I mean, he survived the initial onslaught of Hurricane Ida passing through, and this unnamed man. We hope he ends up turning up safe somehow, some way. But just another example, especially right where the floodwaters are along the coast, that you've got lots of snakes and alligators and more that have been essentially lifted up from their normal areas, and they don't know what's going on. And you're going to be likely seeing lots more of those scary creatures than you normally would this arrival, even hours after Something like that comes through the area. This is the show that accentuates all things Southern. This is the Y'all Show. We'll take our first break. Come back. We've got some sports news to pass along, and we'll do that right after this. And we're back here on the show that accentuates the Southeast, as it is the second day of the month of September. Hope y'all are doing quite well. We got a busy show going the rest of the afternoon, evening, morning, whenever you're catching us. And again, it is time now on the Y'all Show to switch over and talk a little sports for a few minutes. And for some of you, today is game day. It is college football back big time. A whole bunch of games. If you'll bear with me here for a second, I will discuss a few of the scheduled games. But some breaking news coming out of college football that I'm going to first tell you about it has to do with conference realignment as a story is up about BYU and Houston being likely choices for the Big 12 so let me go to this article at ESPN Adam Rittenberg and Heather Dench have posted this as the Big 12 continues to consider expansion according to these ESPN writers four leading candidates have emerged BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. A committee featuring two athletic directors, a committee of four, and two university presidents from the Big 12 began meeting last week to discuss potential expansion. The conference requires eight of its current ten members to approve candidate schools for expansion to occur. The Big 12 We'll only have eight members when Texas and Oklahoma depart for the SEC, and that's going to happen sooner than later. So, again, according to this article, this is posted at ESPN.com, Big 12 looking at BYU, which is a national school, I know more powerful in the West than in the South, but they have a recognition, and they've had success. And they have a a national fan base. Not quite as strong as some other colleges, but BYU makes some sense. Especially if the Big 12 is willing to kind of... I don't think West Virginia belongs in this updated Big 12. So I'm expecting West Virginia to possibly even pull out uh, out of the Big 12. If I were them, I'd do that. I would do that. I know that's a risky move, but... West Virginia can always drop down to a non-Power 5 if they had to, but I think they need to go ahead and just divorce the Big 12 so that they can poise themselves to be an expansion of the Atlantic Coast Conference. That's truly the best fit for WVU. And 
I, I don't know if they're working the phones trying to get their neighbors, and that would be UVA, Virginia Tech, possibly even some of the North Carolina schools, to at least welcome them in. I mean, they, they've they moved up to being a Power 5 program. When they made that jump up to the Big 12 several years ago, I think they've proven they've proven that they are legit and they deserve a shot at a better conference. And that conference would be the Atlantic Coast Conference. But selfishly, I wish the Atlantic Coast Conference would add Maryland back. Maryland needs to make a move also. It was just plain dumb for Maryland to go join the Big, big Ten. So it would be a great fit, I think, if Maryland came back to the ACC, West Virginia was then added, and it would truly be a nice little conference along that corridor of the Atlantic coast. How fitting is that? But that is a story up today about possibly the Big 12 expanding sooner than later. Now, today is a college football Thursday with plenty of games on the docket. And let me tell you what the schedule here for college football is set up like. We've got some top 25 teams in action. We've got an SEC team kicking off at Neyland Stadium and more. So go ahead, get ready, get set. It's college football kicking into prime time on this Thursday. you got on this schedule for the day a couple of, of the many games. I won't go through every single game, but we just mentioned UCF. This is a team possibly being added to the Big 12. The Knights have Boise State coming down to Orlando for a game. That's a 7 Eastern, 6 Central kick on ESPN. The Mothership has the Knights on TV. Also today, top 25 team, the Utah Utes have Weber State going to a game at Salt Lake. NC State and South Florida, they're on the ACC Network on this Thursday that game kicks off from Carter-Finley at 7.30. A really nice battle taking place at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. ESPNU has the call of this one. It's the East Carolina Pirates and the Appalachian State Mountaineers. All North Carolina. East Carolina, by the way, got a big home game next weekend as the South Carolina Gamecocks make their way to Greenville, North Carolina. Also, you got a big game in the Big Ten. How about number four, Ohio State? Fox is going to broadcast this one. The Buckeyes will be at Minnesota on this Thursday. In the SEC, the SEC Network has this kick from Neyland at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Central Time. The Tennessee Vols and the Bowling Green Falcons. Western Kentucky and the UT Martin Skyhawks have a, a fair set up. On this Thursday, they'll be playing their game at Houchins Industries Field. I guess that's in Bowling Green, a rather difficult name for a football stadium to pronounce on a daily basis. Also, you've got the top 25 Arizona State Sun Devils. They've got Southern Utah coming into Sun, Sun Devil Stadium. And lastly, back here in the south, one of the early games, a 7 Eastern kick. 7 Eastern, 6 Central, in Conway, in O'Ree County. It's the number 22 in the nation, Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, Coastal and the Citadel Bulldogs 
are kicking off on the teal field at Brooks Stadium. Again, ESPN Plus is where you'll have to see this Cinderella team of 2020. That would be Coastal Carolina, not the Citadel. But the Military College of South Carolina coming up to face off against Coastal in an all-South Carolina battle. Again, that it features a number 22 team in the country, Coastal Carolina, one of two Sunbelt Conference schools currently in the top 25. That is a quick look at what's going on college football-wise. We will be talking college football in much more detail as we go on in today's Y'all Show. We're going to talk about it after this break. We're going to stay, speaking of the Palmetto State, we're going to stay within the borders of South Carolina because when we come back, our featured school today, the Clemson Tigers. And I'm going to walk through Clemson's 2021 schedule and also tell you about some of the history of Clemson football. That's ahead as the Y'all Show continues. back on y'all talk with an accent on the south and we're on our 43rd stop today one more little pit stop we got to make we're going to do that on friday we're going to be in tuscaloosa as we're getting you ready for college football and the clemson tigers clemson south carolina right there in uh was that pickens county yeah we're right at the corner of pickens and lake hartwell And we're telling you today about the Clemson Tigers, who enter this season ranked number three in the AP poll. They're number two in the coaches poll. They have been a mainstay in the college football playoff. They have won two national championships in recent years. And if you're in the South, you've probably noticed in the last five years, more and more and more of the Paul. The Paul is popping up everywhere. I used to never see the Paul unless I was in the friendly confines of the Palmetto State. And now the Paul is everywhere. That would be Clemson's iconic logo. And they're a winning program. I mean, I have declared Clemson in the last couple of years the best college football program currently. I know Alabama's got something to say about it. But until Alabama recaptured another national championship last year, I was very confident in my declaration of Clemson having the best football team going. And it had to do mostly with their more likable coach. This is a a program that has all the riches. They've got the success, not as much as Alabama, but they've won three national championships at this school in upstate South Carolina. The difference between Clemson and Alabama, besides, besides just the national championship number was the fact that Nick Saban's pushing 70. Dabo Sweeney's in his early 50s. That's a 20-year difference in age. Dabo, obviously more youthful, but he's also 
got a good thing going. He personally is involved in so many of the great recruiting that Clemson has benefited from in the last 15 years that he's been a part of the coaching staff or a part of the head coaching staff. Gosh, it's hard to believe. It was around 2007 or 8 when Tommy Bowden was run out of there. And before Tommy Bowden, you had Tommy West as Clemson's football coach. And Clemson wasn't going to put up with a bunch of mediocrity. This is a proud program. This is a program that won that 1981 national championship with Danny Ford. And they beat Nebraska in the Orange Bowl that year. And Clemson fans and their big booster program, IPTE, I pay 10 a year, what it originally started out as, they need knew they needed to step up their game. And that's exactly what they did by bringing in this guy who played as a wide receiver for the Alabama Crimson Tide for Gene Stallings. And another reason I made that declaration about Clemson having the best college football program, it actually had to – Something of it, some of it had to do with Gene Stallings. Gene Stallings, the great Alabama coach, the guy that had been a great Texas A&M Aggie and even has been involved in that f- football program. His own grandson chose to go play for Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, and he skipped right over Texas A&M and Alabama to go all the way from his native Texas, where his grandson was playing high school football, to go to play for the Clemson Tigers. That's saying something. When the great Gene Stallings' own blood goes and suits up in that Tiger costume. Clemson football. All right, let me tell you about Clemson's schedule. They have the best game of the weekend as they play the Georgia Bulldogs at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte on Saturday night. This is going to be... Everybody needs to tune in and see this one. It's going to be awesome. And I predict that Clemson – I'm not going to bet against Dabo Sweeney. The guy knows what he's doing. And Clemson can easily win this game against the number five Georgia Bulldogs. And they've got an absolute breather the next week with SC State. Not NC, but South Carolina State is the opponent. The HBCU out of Orangeburg comes up to the upstate and picks up a big, gigantic paycheck. After SC State on September 11th, the Tigers have another ACC or or their first ACC battle. It is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, their great rivalry that happens between them and the Jackets. That game set for Memorial Stadium Death Valley on September 18th. Then... Clemson goes back to the state of North Carolina. They got a game against the NC State Wolfpack. It's the Textile Bowl, and that game is a September 25th game in Raleigh. Boston College comes into Clemson for a game on October the 2nd. Clemson's at Syracuse, which has been a little pesky place for them to play in recent years, playing there on a Friday night, Friday, October 15th. Clemson's back on the road against the Pitt Panthers on October 23rd. Then the Florida State Seminoles come in for Ipte Day on October 30th. Clemson's on the road at Louisville November 6th. UConn, that should be a fairly easy game for Clemson. UConn, the opponent, on November 13th. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons come in to Death Valley for a game November 20th. And then the season winds down, the regular season at least, with their hated rival, from Columbia, the state capital. It's Clemson and South Carolina on November 27th. 
then I would expect Clemson's next game would be an ACC championship game followed by some kind of college football playoff (laughs) semifinal. That's the way it's been going for Clemson all of these years. Under, again, the direction of Dabo Sweeney, who is getting ready to start his 12th season in Tigertown. Dabo Sweeney will be turning 52 in November, right now 51 years old. William Christopher Dabo Sweeney, the Alabama native, the University of Alabama alumnus. What a job he's done. He has been working at Clemson since the turn of the century. He got hired right around 2000. Uh, 2003, rather. He, What was he doing between 2000 and 2003? I'm not really sure. Even got his MBA from the University of Alabama. I didn't know that. I knew him back in that time period. I knew him briefly in 1996. I'm not so sure he didn't come to my wedding. I know he was invited. I got married in Tuscaloosa, in case you're wondering. But, yeah, he evidently, yeah, he went and worked in real estate from April 2001 through February of 2003, he did not coach, instead worked for AIG Baker Real Estate on developmental projects in Alabama. I knew him, instead of doing real estate, in the mid-90s he was doing insurance. I I think that's what he was doing. And I didn't even buy anything from him. You know, frankly, if I'd have been his customer, maybe he would never have gone into coaching again. (laughs) But what a job he's done. A two-time national champion at Clemson, 2016 and 2018. He's won seven ACC titles, 2011, and then they're on a, gosh, six-year run straight, 2015 to 2020 ACC champions, the Clemson Tigers, and this proud program. By the way, Clemson again, 1981. It was Danny Ford, also a University of Alabama alumnus, that led them to a national championship. They had Frank Howard back in the early 40s and 50s coaching this team, a University of Alabama alumnus in Frank Howard. Really odd, the connections. I think Charlie Pell was a coach there. He also was an Alabama alum that went to coach the Clemson Tigers at one time. Clemson, their football, in addition to their three national titles, they have won the conference, the ACC, 20 times. I think that's by far more than anybody else. <clears throat> what a great program. They've had 28 consensus All-Americans come out of this program right on the shores of Lake Hartwell in Clemson, South Carolina. John Heisman, he's got a stint in Clemson. He coached Clemson in the early 1900s. That was a big part of Clemson. Then That Frank Howard era from 1940 to 1969. He coached Clemson to some great success. They went to an Orange Bowl, a Sugar Bowl, and more. That's where Frank Howard, remember, he's the one that helped bring in Howard's Rock, that rock Clemson touches before they go running down the hill on game days. Danny Ford comes in in 1978 took this program immediately to a Gator Bowl win over Ohio State, a game that Woody Hayes got fired for because he punched a Clemson player. Charlie Bauman, you might remember that. I remember that game. 
what a crazy 1978 Gator Bowl. Then just a few years later, the Tigers capture the 1981 National Championship. Then many years of above average but not wonderful success. Ken Hatfield followed by Tommy West, Tommy Bowden, and then Dabo Sweeney arrives. And what an amazing turnaround Clemson's had under his watch. And I think they'll be competing again this year for that spot in the college football playoff where they have been participants, by the way, in years 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. They've been in it. What is that? Six straight years. Clemson's been in the top four at the end of the day. <laughs> and I remember that first year, Dabo said they were going to have a big pizza party if they got into the college football playoff. Well, they better keep the pizza a cooking there right on the street in downtown Clemson because this team is headed straight for it again, and they're going to do it this year with a whole new lineup because they got a, a different quarterback. Clemson saying goodbye to Trevor Lawrence. And now they've got the California kid, we'll call him that, coming in to be the replacement, the heir apparent. But he got some experience last year. And I think he's got the uh, uh, his, his style, his speed, DJ Ugalele, is something that Clemson fans are, are going to really enjoy seeing. Uh, he may not have the pretty hair that Trevor Lawrence did, but between Ugalele and the various Clemson defensive players, I think it's going to be Clemson right back to the final four, if you will, of college football in 2021. And that is a little brief look at Clemson football for 2021. Clemson, again, starting the season Saturday night. It is Clemson and the Georgia Bulldogs in your opening game for these two teams, these great teams that only are divided by about 75 miles between them, their campuses. And ABC has the call of this gigantic game, top five teams playing in Uptown Charlotte. We'll wrap up the Y'all Show with a quick look at some social media fun. That is up next on the show just like the Clemson band says about their song, the song that shakes the Southland. This is the show that shakes the Southland. This is y'all. back here this is talk with an accent on everything southern our website that powers this program is yall.com and speaking of y'all we're going to go to social media and josh Haddon has a master of arts degree hello my fellow master of arts degree holder josh welcome in josh is a georgia born carolina raised husband father and a PE teacher. He's also a golf coach and a former football slash softball slash wrestling slash track coach. Huh, he's a busy fellow, Josh. Right on the and by the way, this is what his tweet is. This is a guy who again, Georgia born, Carolina raised. 
Josh has put out on his official Twitter account, at Josh Haddon, that's at Coach Josh, H-A-D-D-E-N. He writes, right on the money, born in Augusta, live across the river in South Carolina, hashtag Southern. And he has posted on his social media account an article from the New York Times. And it is an article that is titled, How Y'all Use and You Guys Talk. As the article written by Josh Katz and Wilson Andrews says, What does the way you speak say about where you're from? Answer all of the questions below to see your personal dialect map. And this guy, evidently it's his own personal dialect map, and it's got him centered up right there in the CSRA of Augusta and North Augusta and South Carolina. <laughs> so I got to go find out where this thing is located on this. I don't know how long it takes. You know, maybe if we got time in hour three, we'll have a, a, a kind of a fun time and go through this together and see how legit this thing is because I have actually done a little bit more traveling than the coach has. I was born in one state. I live in another state, and I've lived in three other southern states in between. And I wonder what my dialect is. Again, the article from the New York Times, How Y'all Use and You Guys Talk. This ought to be a fun read. And if we can squeeze that in before we get out of here today, we will be sure to do that. We will have our number two. We're going to squeeze that in. And that is coming your way next on the show that's all about the South. And we're back on y'all. Hello, welcome to a Thursday across the southeast, getting you all set up for a very lengthy holiday weekend, Labor Day 2021. Hope y'all got big plans. If you're going to be traveling across the Southland, buckle up. Make sure if you're able to and you don't have too big of a problem with it that you are fully vaccinated because it does help. It does help in a lot of places. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to have that question asked. But if you don't want to do it, that's your prerogative, as Paula Abdul would have said. All right, here in hour number two of the show, All About Dixie, we have more headlines coming in that we will be passing along. And then we're going to switch over and tell you some of the entertainment news of the day from both Hollywood and what's going on in Music City. What's going on in Music City? Well, it's a barrel of laughs, and I can prove that. Because we've got some good news to pass along about Ray Stevens. And it's very good, positive, much-needed news in terms of the business world of Nashville. And I'll be sharing that as part of our focus on Music City USA. That's coming up here this hour. And before we get out of here in this second hour of our Thursday show, Melissa Rhodes, what a job she does. She's going to be hanging out here for a minute to tell us about some of the southern business news. I don't know if she's got the Ray Stevens business news mixed into her report, but she's going to be here to tell us what's going on business-wise across the southeast. That's coming up here later this hour. We would love to hear from you, our great y'all audience. You can end up texting us at your convenience, 803-816-1170. Very, very easy to reach out to us here, 803-816-1170. And don't, please don't forget, I'm only reminding you here that we have so many great podcast options to listen to the Y'all Show. 
whether you get us live or almost live on a great radio station, those are great ways. And we can't just we just want to go give a big old hug and a big old smooch to our great radio people, our radio affiliates that carry us. But if you don't have that kind of option, or if you do have that option, but you can't sit there and listen to us for the three hours we broadcast, we have other ways that you can keep up with the Y'all Show on your own schedule. We will customize it for your lifestyle. Those options include Apple Podcasts. So easy for you to follow the Y'all Show. Just go into Apple Podcasts. That's that purple icon on any kind of Apple product. It says podcast. Gosh, I wonder how long it took them to come up with that name. It's a purple icon. It says podcast. You click on there. You search Y'all Show. And when you do that, all you got to do is start following our show. And it's set up for you. Every single day when we post a new show, it will magically show up like it's a new email. It's got a little circle with a, a number on it for your podcast. It's like, hello, your podcast is ready. So we're right there on Apple Podcasts. And the neat thing about Apple Podcasts, it's very easy to share that with other Apple users. So when you're hanging out, let's say, at the tailgate this weekend at your favorite college, and people say, well, what are you up to? What 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 are you listening to these days? You know, it's kind of the in thing and the hip thing to say that you listen to podcasts. Well, you can just wow everybody by saying, oh, man, there's this redneck fellow named John Rawl that hosts this show called Y'all Show, and he's got this website called y'all.com, and I really like that show. Here, let me let me send you a link to where you can listen to it. And again, in Apple Podcasts, real simple. All you got to do is up in the right corner of the podcast, it's got a couple little dots, and you click on that, and it gives you the option to forward it on or copy I think you can copy the link. And it doesn't take a a first grader, frankly, to figure out how to send that on to your fellow Apple users. That's one way to listen to our show. Then we have so many other ways. Spotify. Go into Spotify. It's absolutely free. It's called Y'all Show. Boom, right there. You're set up. Just like our show, follow our show, and you won't miss a single episode. We're also on Stitcher. We're on the TuneIn radio app. We're on the iHeartRadio app. And a few others out there, too. I have such a long list, it's kind of hard to keep up with all of the various ways. But the overwhelming thing I'm trying to pass along today is you just have so many ways to listen to us. You you just can't miss. You just can't have an excuse of saying, I didn't know that was... On a podcast. I I missed the first hour. I was outside cutting my grass. You should have taken the show with you because who wants to sit there and listen to a lawnmower for an hour when you could be listening to me? (laughs) Actually, listen to y'all. That is what we are aiming here to grow. We, We need your help. We have, we think, a fantastic show, a fantastic website, but we need your southern manners to come through and Tell your neighbors, tell your friends, tell your boss, tell the people you don't even like, hey, I like this y'all show. I think you will too. If you will just do that, there's no limit what we can do here on the show covering everything Southern. In addition to headlines here, 
We got again that entertainment news and business news. That's just this second hour. We also have coming up later in the show more on the Clemson Tigers. Clemson is today's featured school as we're on a journey across the southeast and we're on stop number 43 of 44 tomorrow we're in tuscaloosa to wrap up our college football tour let's get back into some more headlines going on across the south and country today this is a sad story coming out of richland county in south carolina columbia is the county seat of richland county Two infants were pronounced dead on Wednesday after being found in a car outside of a daycare facility. The twin boys found dead. At 5.30 p.m. Tuesday, deputies from the Richland County Sheriff's Department responded to a report of two unresponsive infants at Sunshine House Early Learning Academy in Blythewood. That is north of downtown Columbia. When they arrived... Sheriffs from Richland County found the babies inside a vehicle and both died at the scene. More news coming. The daycare place, Sunshine House of Blythewood, has actually been open for more than 45 years. And two babies found dead in a car outside of this daycare in South Carolina on Wednesday. Another tragic story to pass along. Four people killed on a small jet crash. This happened today. It crashed in Connecticut, crashing into a building outside of Farmington, Connecticut. The plane was headed to Manteo, North Carolina. A Cessna Citation 560X headed to Dare County Regional Airport in North Carolina, and it crashed in Connecticut today. All four passengers dead as it crashed on takeoff. And more coming. I don't have names at this point, but, and they may be all from Connecticut, but uh, rough day there with that. I wonder if the storm up there had something to do with the runway or something. This news out of Richmond, Virginia. It's a sad day for those of us who like Confederate history and Southern history. Virginia's Supreme Court has ruled unanimously that the state of Virginia can remove the statue of Robert E. Lee from Monument Row in Richmond. As the Supreme Court said, values change and public policy changes too in a democracy. 7-0 decision cited testimony from historians that the enormous statue was erected in 1892 to honor the Southern white citizenry's defense of a pre-Civil War life that depended on slavery and the subjugation of black people. This decision from the Virginia Supreme Court came in two lawsuits filed by Virginia residents who attempted to block Virginia's Governor Ralph Northam's order to remove the bronze equestrian sculpture And that sculpture shows Robert E. Lee in military attire atop a massive stone pedestal. Virginia, back in the 1880s, promised to forever maintain the statue in deeds that transferred its ownership to the state. These justices said that no longer applies. I hope somebody sues them. I hope somebody goes and takes this to a federal court. Unbelievable. 
They've already taken down all the other statues, essentially, of Confederates on Monument Avenue. Only one they got left is Arthur Ashe. And this one, which has been absolutely destroyed with graffiti, it's of Robert E. Lee, Virginia's arguably their most famous Virginian. Uh, I guess Washington. Washington out might <coughs> out Trump Robert E. Lee. But, of course, if you know anything about Lee, his wife was from Mary Washington's family. I think she was her granddaughter, great niece, something like that. But again, this story coming out of Richmond, Virginia today with the Supreme Court there unanimously saying they can pack up General Lee and put him in a warehouse like these other statues of which we have not seen in quite some time. And we haven't seen statues of like Robert E. Lee from Lee Circle in New Orleans. That goes back to 2015, I think, is when that happened. These tremendous works of art, they get thrown in a warehouse and forgotten. Although some of us out here don't want that to happen. We want to see these things out on display because everything, no matter what it is, can be someone else's treasure or it could be someone else's junk. And I happen to think differently than the Supreme Court justices of Virginia today. Hmm. Okay, let's talk about a passage of a celebrity. Daphne Unger, a former WCW wrestling star, has died. She was known to fans as the Scream Queen. A desperate search for her was launched after a distressing video she shared on social media this week led people to go looking for her and a friend put out that we're so sad to have to announce the passing of Shannon Spruill aka Daphne Unger Unger the 46 year old rose to fame in the world championship wrestling franchise between 1999 and 2001 playing the girlfriend of manager and wrestler David Flair son of former world wrestling champion Ric Flair. She then performed as part of non-stop action wrestling for a few years. It appears she may have died from suicide as her friends were worried after that post of what was going to happen to her. Unfortunate story. One of her friends has put out hours after her death if you're hurting and thinking of doing harm to yourself, please know that help is available. Call 1-800-273-8255. Again, if you or someone you know is considering suicide, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at any time, 24-7, Again, former WCW wrestling star, female Daphne Unger. A lot of people knew her as Scream Queen. Has been found dead this week at age 46. I don't have a location where she was found or where she had been living. But that is the sad news from the wrestling world today. How about some positive news? Two students in Missouri are being lauded for their fast action on a runaway bus in St. James, Missouri. A school bus that was carrying kids home suddenly went off a rural 
roadway outside of St. James, and it went through a fence and into a field, and that's when seventh grader Tandon Baker realized the driver had passed out. So this seventh grader, the 12-year-old, ran to the front of the bus, put his foot on the brake, and put the gear into park. A buddy of his, 15-year-old sophomore Emily Williams, then called 911 from her cell phone and began comforting the driver and also comforting the younger children. They were both honored just the other day. Tandon and Emily honored before a high school football game when Missouri State Highway Patrol Colonel Eric Olson proclaimed from Mike Parson the great honor upon them. Pretty neat. St. James is in central Missouri. It's got about 4,200 students. And how about kids riding a bus and perhaps saving their own lives with this runaway bus and these youngsters? See, there is hope out there. We got some good kids. And in Missouri, they know how to at least stop a school bus. And that's fantastic to know here at the Y'all Show. In South Florida, the former home of Al Capone is going to get torn down. Oh, man, Al. Ow, that hurts. Uh, Miami Herald reporting today that new owners of the nine-bedroom Miami Beach house plan to demolish it after buying it for $10.7 million this past summer. You buy a house for almost $11 million and you tear it down? Must have been really in ruins, frankly. Probably on a very nice piece of property, if I had to guess. The owner... One of the owners, Nelson Gonzalez, an investor and senior vice president of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, EWM, has hinted that this house is a piece of garbage. It's a disgrace to Miami Beach. So they're going to tear it down. The house has been placed on an agenda for the month of September for possible historic designation by the city of Miami Beach. But Glasner... And Gonzalez, the co-owners, said that's not going to stop their plans. Al Capone bought this house for just $40,000 in 1928 and went to it a whole bunch. The Scarface gangster died at the home back in 1947 from a heart attack. This home in Miami is believed to be where Capone and his associates plotted the notorious St. Valentine's Day Massacre in which seven members of an opposing gang were gunned down in a parking garage in Chicago in 1929. Now, a granddaughter of Al Capone is Diane Capone. She and her two surviving sisters are going to sell 174 items at an October 8 auction titled A Century of Notoriety, The Estate of Al Capone. That's going to be hosted by... Witherell's Auction House in Sacramento. So if you'd like to own a piece of Al Capone history from Florida, you've got a chance here real soon. Now, here's a story out of the state of Tennessee. A gender reveal party has now prompted two school lockdowns where they thought there was an active shooter going on out of Murfreesboro where this happened. A gender reveal party forced schools to shut down the Murfreesboro Police Department, posting on Twitter, rumors of an active shooter at local school are incorrect. 
The incident happened on Wednesday afternoon in Murfreesboro when a resident of the area heard gunshots and someone scream. The person called 911, and due to the gunshots being so close to multiple schools, there the school officials put them on lockdown. And these lockdown orders came at Oakland High School and Oakland Middle Schools there in Rutherford County, Tennessee. Both were quickly lifted, however, after police discovered the gunshots were from a jubilant father finding out he and the child's mother are having a boy. So it wasn't the reveal, it was the stupid father, I'll go ahead and say it, shooting a gun in the air on a Wednesday afternoon? That just doesn't make any sense. According to the police department, it was found to be the expected parents making a gender-revealing phone call to out-of-country family members. During the phone call, the expected father stepped outside and fired celebratory rounds from a handgun into the air, and the expected mother screamed out of excitement of the news of a baby boy. The father, I'm I'm glad to see this there, Rutherford County. Good job. The father was cited for unlawful discharging of a firearm inside city limits. The incident comes as the trend of gender reveal parties are sweeping across the country. Some have ended up in absolute disaster. I know they've caused a wildfire in California. And in Canada, an explosive device set off a small wildfire there. And that couple was fine for that, so... Be careful out there. I know it's exciting to find out you're going to have a baby. That's good news. But remember, for at least 2,017 years, 2017 years, we have been finding out we're going to be parents and we didn't have to have a gender reveal party. I'm pretty sure back in the day they didn't get out there and have explosives going off when they found out they were having a boy or girl. I think I'm right on that. I wasn't around back in the Stone Age or more, but yeah. Those are some of your headlines here at the Y'all Show. Be careful. Be careful and don't end up in headlines so we have to talk about you on the show that's all about the South. When the Y'all Show comes back, we're going to switch over and talk about some entertainment news. Plus, we got the latest out of Nashville, Tennessee. All that is ahead as the Y'all Show talk with a southern accent continues. And we're back on talking about the South. Our show is called The Y'all Show, and y'all.com is our website. Go there and see incredible stories and learn so much about your neighbors and yourself, and it'll just be an ego boost that you need, y'all.com. And make sure you also share that website with all your Yankee friends if you have any. All right, we are into our entertainment report for the day, and it just wouldn't be entertainment without what's going on with Britney Spears. And our Britney Spears update today, she's not going to be charged over the dispute she had with a staff member. The Ventura County, California District Attorney's Office said in a press release that after reviewing the case submitted by the Ventura County Sheriff's Office, that they declined to file charges, quote, based upon insufficient evidence that a crime had occurred and the lack of injury to the housekeeper or significant damage to the phone. Now, last month, Britney Spears' housekeeper alleged that the pop singer, the Louisiana lady, the housekeeper alleged that Britney struck a cell phone 
out of her hand during an argument over the veterinary care of her dog. Attorney for Britney Spears, Matthew Rosengart, has put out a statement saying, This is overblown, sensational tabloid fodder. Nothing more than a fabricated he said, she said, in this case a she said, she said, regarding a cell phone with no striking and obviously no injury whatsoever. Rosengart goes on to say, anyone can make an accusation, but this should have been closed immediately. The Grammy-winning singer Spears is currently in the midst of a very, very public battle with her father, Jamie, over her court-ordered conservatorship. Their next hearing on that is set for September 29th. And I haven't seen any news on that. Remember, pretty boy from the panhandle, Matt Gates and his pretty hair. He has been trying to get Brittany to come to Washington, D.C. to help represent her and, I guess, bring to the national spotlight this whole conservatorship thing that is going on in California. I'm not a lawyer. But evidently, that's not something that is duplicated around the entire country, this conservatorship-type deal. And maybe that's what Matt Gates is asking Brittany to come to D.C. and maybe try to use some federal muscle to have California wake up and say, okay, we're going to get rid of this. I, get, I don't think that's a common thing across the entire country. And all that could change in California. You know, California, it, if you listen to some of the shows out there, they might have a Republican governor pretty soon. A guy named Larry Elder, the sage. He's making a big run to try to get Gavin Newsom kicked out of office. They're recalling their governor, perhaps, and... Newsom is right there. Bruce Jenner, he's also right there in the mix. And maybe a few others. But but the pundits all have their money right now on Larry Elder being the eventual person that gets that chance to be a Republican governor in California, which they have not had one as far as I know since Arnold, Governor Schwarzenegger, was once leading the Golden State. Isn't that what they are? That the news from Britney Spears land. She just she she needs to get out of California. She needs to come back home. Come on, Britney. That's what you need to do. You wouldn't have to be fighting these crazy battles. You're a big enough star. You can go back to LA anytime you want to. You can go back to the LA that's called Los Angeles, or you can go back to the LA that's called Louisiana. But either way, she needs to she needs she's got a chance here to get more. She's got a chance to get rid of some of the, the cray-cray, okay? And she's she's got positive momentum in that direction. And I think one one way for her to be less described is that is to get back to her roots. And she can find that right there in Tangipoa Parish in Louisiana. Let's talk about the fall TV lineup. According to Brian Lowry of CNN, He's got an article, a fall TV preview that he's posted, and his article says, Get ready for reboots, revivals, and spinoffs 
and a few farewells. What is he talking about? As Labor Day, just after Labor Day, traditionally you have new TV programs rolling out. I guess it would be Sweeps Week coming up next week. And this guy has done a good job of breaking down a lot of the TV shows that are coming and some that are going. One show that looks like it might be in its final season is Lucifer. Scott Porter and Tom Ellis start starring that show. It's on Netflix. And Lucifer, which actually started originally on Fox, will have its sixth and final season start September 10th. Also, final season for Dear White People as it launches September 22nd and Amazon's Goliath that's got Billy Bob Thornton in it. Its final season starts September 24th. Lots of music-related things that will be new and available for you. As ABC, they're going to have Queens. That's going to be a show that's got a cast of several women. It looks like all black women playing in that. Brandy from Mississippi. She's on there, as well as Naturi Naughton and Eve starring alongside Brandy. What is Brandy's? Does Brandy have a last name? I went to an event in Jackson, Mississippi, 10 years ago with her and her family, and she was honored at the Mississippi Grammy Awards at that time, and I can't remember. Norwood, Brandy Norwood. I guess she just goes by Brandy now. Brandy, I hadn't heard from her in a while. She is a Macomb, Mississippi native, 42 years old is Brandy, R&B, pop, hip-hop singer. I don't know if she's ever been married or had children. I don't think she has or I don't remember it. She had a relationship one time with Kobe Bryant. Brandy Norwood, Macomb right there in southwest Mississippi. She's a part of this ABC Queens. Fox will also have the masked singer alongside a show called, another singing show called Alter Ego, as contestants compete as their dream avatar using visual effects to create their own stage performance. Okay, I'm about to go off because I've been saving this one for the right time. I'm going to go off after I get through again some of these shows that are coming out soon if you want to check them out. There's also another music-related thing that will be available starting October 1st, Diana the Musical. It debuts October 1st. Those are just some of the new, some of the going away of TV options on Netflix, on broadcast television and more. And go check out Brian Lowry's article up at CNN.com, the fall TV preview to learn much, much more. Okay, I know you didn't ask for it, but a little extra gravy added to your entertainment report right now. I just mentioned a bunch of these shows, and these are shows that haven't even premiered yet. The other day, I tuned in around 8.30 on a weeknight, and I went through the four 
historic broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC. All four networks had reality show programming on, most of which were game shows. How embarrassing. How embarrassing that we don't have quality TV slash movie productions that are making their way to broadcast television. How embarrassing that, frankly, some of these shows that are scripted out, they're all spinoffs of spinoffs, all the different CSIs. And then you got Chicago this and Chicago that. I don't even watch this stuff. You know, and and I, I'm bringing this up because I had not really gone flipping through the broadcast networks in prime time recently. And that's what I discovered. I mean, we're being ripped off. These reality shows are on for a reason. They're on because they're cheap to make. And people watch them. Because people don't have anything else out there worth watching. We, as a southern public, we need to make a stand. We need to make a rebel stand and stop watching this junk. I can't imagine why people continue to watch this stuff. I know when American Idol first came out, it was all the rage and it was cool. But my God, it's been 20 years. I mean, it's time for that to go away. It's time for, and maybe it has gone away. It shows how out of touch I am. But a lot of these shows are just, it's just fatigue. And it's laziness. And it's greed on the part of the networks. That's my biggest complaint. They don't want to have creative writers and creative productions going on. I want more TV shows and TV movies made here in the South. Don't make any more California junk. Don't make, and for God's sakes, I don't want to see another TV show that I have to watch here in this country that's made in Canada, for God's sakes. Hallmark Channel is essentially completely a Canadian-made channel. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little territorial here on this show because I'm all about the South. But I still would rather see a movie made in Montana than Saskatchewan. Yeah. And so I'm I'm all American, but I'm really all Southern. And I just so many of those. That's that's a cable network. I'm not gonna. I probably shouldn't be picking on Hallmark. I'm, I started out my discussion talking about how lazy and greedy these over-the-air channels are, and and they are now sports. I'm okay with because there's a lot of, I guess, work goes into a sports broadcast, and it's a completely different animal, and it it does deliver numbers and it delivers money the advertisers that's why i'm okay with your monday night footballs and your other live programming although for abc for example i think they might need to rethink putting a lot of their nba garbage all those many months of playoff games on that particular channel when they they could be having a little bit better i guess if nothing else why don't they just save some money if they got if they got to save money they can compromise, and they can just start re-airing Andy Griffith episodes on all channels all the time. And not, I'm not even an Andy Griffith guru, but that would be better than what they got, y'all.
All right, that is a quick look at some of the entertainment news and the little diatribe from yours truly. We're not done with the fun of the stars, though. After this break, hang on. We're going to take you to Nashville, Tennessee, and bring you up to speed on what's going on in the world of country music. And as mentioned, we got some Ray Stevens news to pass along. Perhaps I'll pull up one of his great songs to bring us back from this time out. You're listening and hopefully enjoying Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Hello, everyone. This is your Action News reporter with all the news that is news across the nation on the scene at the supermarket. There seems to have been some disturbance here. Pardon me, sir. Did you see what happened? Yeah, I did. I was standing over by the tomatoes, and here he comes, running through the pole beans, through the fruits and vegetables, naked as a jaybird. And I hollered over to Ethel. I said, don't look, Ethel. And it's too late. She'd already been in the scene. Here he comes. Boogie-dee, boogie-dee. There he goes. Boogie-dee, boogie-dee. Oh, yes, they call him the street. Fastest thing on two feet. He's just as proud as he can be. His anatomy, he gon' give us a peek. Oh, yes, they call him the street. He likes to show off his physique. If there's an audience to be found, you'll be streaking it round. This is your action news reporter once again, and we're here at the gas station. Pardon me, sir, did you see what happened? Yeah, I did. I was just in here getting my car checked, and he disappeared out of the traffic. Come streaking around the grease right there. Didn't have nothing on but a smile. I looked in there, and Ethel was getting her cold drink. I hollered, don't look, Ethel! <laughs> hey, don't look, Ethel, but Ethel, you need to listen up. It's the Y'all Show, continuing on with the entertainment beat on this Thursday. And the guy behind that one right there, the streak. We got some big news, all you Ray Stevens fans. Cabaret, the showroom of his Nashville venue, is going to reopen this Labor Day weekend. How about that? The Country Music Hall of Fame member Ray Stevens announcing the reopening of this West Nashville showroom, Cabaret. Country Music's legendary funny man will resume live concerts at the entertainment venue two days from now, September 4th. Now, Cabaret closed its doors early in 2020 with the spread of COVID-19. And now Ray Stevens is going to get back to his venue. I would... I'm trying to think of that name. I guess it's old Charlotte Pike, maybe, somewhere in that area, west of town. It's not really exactly a part of Nashville most people go hanging out in. But I've been to Cabaret and went into the office and more. Ray Stevens has put out a statement saying, I'm really excited about the new show and finally reopening the showroom. There's nothing else like it in Nashville. And to his credit, the 12-time nominated and two-time Grammy Award-winning Ray Stevens built this thing on his own, and so much of Nashville has gone down to Lower Broadway in the heart of the city's downtown. This thing is out west off of Interstate 40, and for bus groups and for people who don't want to put up with the craziness of a big city's downtown area, Cabaret gives you that opportunity to go see a star in Ray Stevens, even if he's not performing, he's got a pretty cool building that you can go take pictures and learn more 
about Ray Stevens and more. And Cabaret is going to get back open here with Ray Stevens himself performing on Saturday. Tickets available for purchase via phone. Give them a call at 615-327-4630. The address, if you want to go ahead and plug this into your smartphone, the street address for Cabaret is 5724 River Road, just down from the Cumberland River is where this is located. And the website you can go to to learn more about Ray Stevens and Cabaret is raystevenscabaret.com. That's R-A-Y-S-T-E-V-N-S-C-A-B-A-R-A-Y. com. And many of you are familiar with this cabaret because it is televised on many PBS stations. Ray Stevens has his kind of syndicated show and it is a good little option for people to go see country music singers and if you're not able to see them there at cabaret in person a lot of you enjoy watching ray stevens tv show guy who's had a lot of tv experience through his time working in nashville as both a singer and a songwriter and all the tv work that he's done and Man, the music videos that Ray Stevens has cranked out in his career. Truly an original, Mr. Barksdale, the Georgia native, Ray Stevens. His cabaret is going to be firing back up. That is a fantastic, fantastic thing to pass along here on today's Y'all Show because I remember early on in the COVID virus that he was one of the first people to kind of shut it down totally where the Grand Ole Opry kept on trucking and kept on having a show despite having no fans in the audience and how cool is it that that is now getting back up there speaking of tv shows reba mcintyre says and of course she had her own show called reba she says it would be a blast to star in a western themed tv show you know reba you might be on to something. You just might have heard me bashing all the TV networks for having all these reality TV shows. Why don't we have a cool Western-type show back on network TV? How about not Gunsmoke, but we could call it something similar to that. Would that be a copyright infringement? Heck, you probably could use the word Gunsmoke. I don't know who has the rights to that, but I'm, we've seen other things get renamed in modern times Reba in a recent appearance on Talk Shop Live asked if she had any interest in a dramatic acting role on a TV program which Paramount's to their credit they do have on the Paramount channel Yellowstone but that's not available to people over the air Reba noted that she indeed would love a starring role alongside her love interest her real life love interest Rex Lynn the Oklahoma State University alumnus, Rex Lynn. And Reba said, Rex and I talk about it all the time because we were both raised around cattle and horses. He loves to team rope. I love to barrel race. And we both got into show business. So that was always our passion to be in a Western. To get to be on one together would be a blast. Reba, you got the money. You got the connections. Come on, Reba, make it happen. You can do this. You don't need Hollywood. You are Hollywood, and you are Hollywood royalty and certainly country music royalty in my eye. 
Now, she has appeared as Annie Oakley, Reba has, alongside Angelica Houston and Sam Elliott in the 1995 CBS TV movie Buffalo Girls. She also played Annie Oakley in the Broadway revival of Annie Get Your Gun. That was back in 1999 when she went to the big city and did that. Of course, Rex Lynn, her boyfriend, he's been acting for over three decades. You might remember him mostly as Detective Frank Tripp on CSI Miami, that job he had for 10 years on CBS. And now, could we see these two in a Western? That sounds like good programming. That would be a little bit better programming than RuPaul's Drag Race. All-Stars 6. (laughs) That's the name of this TV series. And I'm telling you about it because Miss T, Tanya Tucker, is going to appear on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star 6. She's got a new duet with RuPaul, This Is Our Country. And that comes out September 9th. But the Grammy-winning Tanya appearing as a surprise guest visiting the top four contestants on this latest edition of RuPaul's TV show. During this episode that Tanya Tucker is on, the top four were challenged to write lyrics for a new song titled This Is Our Country. And that will include a duet version with the Delta Dawn singer and RuPaul that is available starting in just one week, September 9th. Now, Tanya appeared virtually during the episode. I don't know where they filmed this thing. Tanya Tucker's Drag Race appearance is available for streaming via Paramount Plus by clicking a link at Paramount Plus. So how about that? Tanya also has recently put out something on her social media pages. The Tanya Tucker is her Instagram page. She's been on this Bring My Flowers Now tour. Pretty cool song. And I love Tanya's Instagram post because it starts out with, Hey, (laughs) y'all. Love it. I'm waiting for my royalty check there to come in the mail, Tanya. Tanya, again, with her release to her fans. Hey, y'all. I'm sorry to say, but I haven't been given the green light to travel and perform just yet. My doctor wants me to continue with more physical therapy in order to fully recover. The below shows are affected I look forward to seeing y'all this month, September. So evidently she's had to pause some of her dates at the end of August. And this is in the past now, but she did have to cancel some dates around the country, including Roanoke, Virginia, Cherokee, North Carolina, Lexington, Kentucky. She missed out on the Railbird Festival in Lexington. Mm, that's bad news right there. Brantley Gilbert honored the recent fallen soldiers from Afghanistan and more with a new song called Gone But Not Forgotten. It's the latest single for the guy who also has a song out called The Worst Country Song of All Time. Gone But Not Forgotten, a song honoring the Americans who just died in Afghanistan. I think it was 11 Marine Corps heroes, one Navy corpsman, and an Army sergeant from the Knoxville, Tennessee area. As Brantley Gilbert puts out on social media, 
13 brave American heroes made the ultimate sacrifice for freedom this week. In hard times like this, I always find myself turning to music. I wrote this song a while back as a tribute to all of the folks we've lost, both overseas in our own communities here at home. We wanted to share it with y'all in hopes it might resonate with someone who needs to hear it right now. Again, this is a new song on top of a fairly new song that Bradley Gilbert has out with Hardy and Toby Keith, the worst country song of all time. That's almost on the top 30 chart. It's a pretty creative song. And if I'm able to here, let's see if I can't pull this up. We'll go to break with an opportunity to let you sample Brantley Gilbert's song that is just now being released. Let's see. Again, today we apologize if you are tuning in. We've had some issues with our music that normally is being played, and therefore we kind of have, as I called it, a naked edition of today's y'all show with very little bumper music, very little, oh, I like to call it an accentuation of the show that accents the South is what we are doing normally when we have our great music. And frankly, it's a lot of fun to play music on this show, but for whatever reason... We just had a hard time today in our setup here, but we'll try to get that fixed. I don't know if this is going to play properly. Let's hope so. Again, this is Brantley Gilbert, a new song dedicated to the recent soldiers lost in Afghanistan. We'll play a little portion of this for you here on the Y'all Show. Like a set of black marks. Tattooed on the highway Like some cheap black beer in that Georgia clear And got us a little sideways Like a first love's tears and tail lights You're so long, 17 Hand me down for for sale sign Along with her shotgun seat Gone but not forgotten All those memories we've gotten Small towns change and glory fades like all our yesterdays. All right, Brantley Gilbert again, his tribute to the 13 Americans killed in Afghanistan just about a week ago. We're almost finished with hour number two. If you'll just hang on to your seat, we'll wrap up this hour after this break. Melissa Rhodes has something to say about Southern business, and then a whole nother hour follows that. This is Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. Southern accent. Here's the Business South update from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Georgia's had a blockbuster year for its film industry. The Georgia Department of Economic Development has announced that during its fiscal year 2021, the film and television industry set a new record with $4 billion in direct spending on productions in the state. The Georgia Film Office reported that these numbers are all due to a variety of factors. In addition to the state's overall attractiveness to the film industry, including an earlier safe return to production, pent-up demand from the COVID-19 hiatus, 
and the associated expenses to mitigate risk. New safety protocols also added to production costs and timelines. In 2021, 366 productions filmed in the state, represented by 21 feature films, 45 independent films, 222 television and episodic productions, 57 commercials, and 21 music videos. Business news, headlines, and more at y'all.com. That's a lot of work right there in the state of Georgia. Way to go, Peach State. One of your filmmaking capitals of the country and certainly of the South. And Georgia right alongside states like Louisiana, even North Carolina have lots of productions. And what a great feat there by the business folks in the state of Georgia to keep those films a-coming. Well, we're going to have another hour of the Y'all Show coming your way. Hang on. we got more to say about the Clemson Tigers in hour number three and more headlines from across the South. Stay tuned. We are the Y'all Show. And we are back for the final hour. It is a Thursday. Oh, that long holiday weekend is staring us right in the face. And I bet you a lot of you are already on the road. I bet you a lot of you are packing up for one more trip down to the beach. I bet you some of you are about done with the beach lifestyle. You're ready to head to Gatlinburg or maybe somewhere in, let's say, the Texas Hill Country, for example. Good little holiday weekend escape. And many of you, like me, circle Labor Day weekend on the calendar because we got lots of college Football. There is not a preseason NFL game to be played this weekend. There is not a regular season NFL game to be played. Those guys get all their fun in on Thursday of next week when the Cowboys start off the 2021 season at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But this weekend, it's all college football. Speaking of college football here in this final hour, Appreciate y'all being on with us. We're going to be talking about the Clemson Tigers as we'll talk about Clemson University. We'll discuss some of the famous alumni of Clemson, and we'll share with you the traditions that you'll find when you're there in the South Carolina upstate attending a Clemson game or strolling around Clemson Boulevard, I believe is the main one of the main thoroughfares there. Going over across the lake to Seneca SC. It's Clemson, South Carolina, Clemson University, and them Clemson Tigers. They are today's featured school, our next to last stop on our very long trip we've been making since way back in July, getting you ready for college football's big start this weekend. Tomorrow, our final stop, the tank is running empty. I hope we got enough to get there. We're going to be in Tuscaloosa as the Alabama Crimson Tide will be our last stop. Man, that's going to be fun. Also want to let you know, speaking of college football, we have the debut of the Y'all Kickoff Show. That will be our first hour of our Friday show. So tune in Friday, and you'll get to hear that one in hour one, then followed by two hours of the Y'all Show. So still the same amount of y'allness, just packaged a little differently on our Friday's of college football. 803-816-1170. That is how you can get in touch with us right now on the show All About the South. Let's start off this hour with some sports news and some tragic sports news coming in today from a former Florida Gator. I think he played for Florida. 
Keith McCants found dead today at his home in the Sunshine State FRA suspected drug overdose. He was 53 years old. McCants was the fourth overall pick in the first round of the 1990 draft. I'm sorry, he played for the Alabama Crimson Tide. My apologies. McCants drafted in the 1990 draft by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was a Mobile, Alabama native that earned All-America honors as a player for the Alabama Crimson Tide of the late 80s. I guess Bill Curry would have most likely been his coach there in the late 80s. McCants went on to play for three seasons for the Buccaneers, followed by a stint with the Houston Oilers and Arizona Cardinals. His career ended in 1995. McCants ended up being arrested a bunch of times for possession of drugs and drug paraphernalia over the years. A longtime friend, a guy who's actually running for mayor in St. Petersburg, Florida, Robert Blackman, said he and others who knew McCants decided in 2010 to try to turn his life around. He said, this morning we lost that battle. Put that out, Blackman did, on a Facebook post. Again, a guy who played in the NFL for several years. Played in 88 games. After retiring from football, McCants became the first black Marine police officer in Alabama and the State Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And former Crimson Tide turned NFL player Keith McCants found dead today in his St. Petersburg home after a suspected overdose. More details forthcoming on this tragedy from the Alabama Crimson Tide family. All right, let's talk about golf for just a second before we get back to some college football. And golf this weekend, it is the Tour Championship. That is taking place at Eastlake, Bobby Jones's old club just to the east of downtown Atlanta. You got 30 golfers lining up to try to win around $15 million and it ought to be one heck of a tournament here with this final PGA Tour stop of the year. 30 players. Here they are in case you need to get your scorecard out and pay attention. As this thing is underway, we actually have some scores to report. All players are now off the course. Hideki Matsuyama, who won about two hours east of East Lake earlier this year at the Masters, He fired a 7-over today, a 77. Par is 70 at this course, and he shot 77, so he's going to have a long way to go to catch up with the rest of the pack. Daniel Berger, 2-over after the first round. Patrick Reed, Masters champion of yesteryear, he is 2-over. So is Stuart Sink and Joaquin Newman, all 2-over. South African Eric van der Ruen was Minus one today, and he's in 25th position. Soong Jae Yee is one over. And now to some players you are more familiar with, likely. Sergio Garcia, he's tied for 23rd with a round of 68 today. And, okay, here's where I was getting confused. I had forgotten. This tournament... You start out with your 
FedEx playoff score factored into how you start the day. So Patrick Cantlay had a several strokes lead before he even played in this tournament. That's why I was confused on (laughs) these numbers. This is the only tournament they do this for. So Hideki did fire a 77, and therefore he was 7 over today. But uh, I guess it probably makes a little bit more sense to go back to to some of these other guys at the top. Patrick Cantlay, who did come into this atop everybody since he had just won the BMW Championship in Maryland this past weekend, he right now has, let's see here, minus three. Okay, he shot a minus three, but he's still, this is just confusing. I'm sorry. I apologize. I guess I'll just forget the score. Let me I forget the over-under. Let me just tell you what he shot today after round one. Patrick Cantlay shot a 67. John Rahm, 65. Harris English, 66. Bryson DeChambeau, 69. Victor Hovland, 66. Justin Thomas, 67. Cameron Smith, 68. All of those guys are in the top five right now. I'm looking for the low round of the day. And that would likely be, let's see, a 65. I'd have to give that to both John Rom and Billy Horschel. Both shot 65s in this first round at Eastlake. But that's still not good enough to get you to the championship because their past play factors into the scores on this final event of the PGA Tour calendar. A little confusing, I apologize, but that's how this thing is working out. Final round set for Sunday. Dustin Johnson, your defending champion. I don't even think he's yeah, he, he he's in he's in the top ten. He shot a sixty-eight today. Where Patrick Cantley shot a sixty-seven, the guy who had the kind of lead going into this weekend. Should be a good weekend there at East Lake of Golf. Good weekend of Beautiful southern golf on display if you can make your way to DeKalb County in the state of Georgia. Okay, an update on a story we told you about earlier today. It looks like, according to reports, four teams are being considered for Big 12 expansion. BYU, UCF, the Houston Cougars, and Cincinnati. According to reports out, including Adam Rittenberg and Heather Dentches reporting at ESPN.com, these four schools that I just referenced are the leading candidates for a possible Big 12 expansion. What do y'all think of that? Do you think this is a good list? Are you surprised that one or two schools that seem more of a logical fit from a geography standpoint are being left out. I'm looking at you, Memphis Tigers. I'm looking at you, Tulsa Golden Hurricane, with Oklahoma exiting for the SEC. You would think Oklahoma State, if they're going to be stuck in the Big 12, probably would like to see a another team in the state be in that conference. 
And I realize there's a big, giant difference between Tulsa and Oklahoma State in terms of size and influence. But the Golden Hurricane, from what I know, have lots of influence and lots of power. So I'm a little surprised they're not one of the teams. And then the conference, according to this report, looking at UCF, UCF is either the top or number two school in the country in terms of size of its student body. I don't know why they've got Cincinnati even in the mix here. I know they were the defending AAC champions. And Houston seemed like a good fit if they're having to replace Texas. Don't know how much smoke this thing's going to keep getting or not, but the big story out today that at least according to these reports, four schools emerging as possible Big 12 expansion targets, the Cougars of BYU, the Knights of UCF, the Bearcats of UC Cincinnati, and the Cougars of UH, the Houston Cougars, former Southwest Conference, turned AAC Houston Cougars. That's a look at what's going on sports-wise across the Southeast again. Today also, you've got college football kicking off in a big way, and looking at your clock, looking at the calendar, depending on when you're catching this show, you got a top 25 team kicking things off early on this Thursday, 7 Eastern, 6 o'clock from Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina, number 22, Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleers open their season at home against the Citadel Bulldogs, the Bulldogs of the FCS's Southern Conference are going to be playing Coastal Carolina. The last time these two teams got together, it was Coastal Carolina's final game as an FCS member, and it was the FCS playoffs of 2015. The week prior, the Citadel had clinched a playoff berth by defeating the South Carolina Gamecocks at Williams-Brice Stadium. Late November 2015, they defeated what was a Steve Spurrier coached South Carolina Gamecock team. They won that one 23-22. I was there. Then they turned around the next week and went over to Coastal Carolina, which was the higher seed, and got to host the FCS playoff game. And a walk-off field goal got the Citadel the victory there. Then they went down in flames the following week to the Charleston Southern Buccaneers. But we won't talk about that. But, yeah, Coastal Carolina back in the top 25 this year, starting this year at number 22. They got the Bulldogs of El Cid at home. Other games of note here, you got NC State and USF. They're playing on the ACC network. East Carolina, Appalachian State on ESPNU. Ohio State and Minnesota have a game in primetime on Fox. On the SEC network, the Falcons of Bowling Green are in Knoxville. The Tennessee Vols and Josh Heupel Await. Also in Bowling Green, Western Kentucky will be hosting the UT Martin Skyhawks and another top 25 team in action on this opening Thursday of college football. Number 25, Arizona State, is hosting Southern Utah. That's a quick look at what's going on sports-wise here across the South. But we're not done talking sports. If you'll just hang on through the break, stay tuned because today's featured school on our tour across the South, getting you ready for days like this, the start of college football. We're on stop number 43 of 44, 
And this stop today, we're pulling up right outside the Esso Club in Clemson, South Carolina. It is all about the Tigers. We'll talk about the traditions, the famous alumni, and more about Clemson University. And that report about CU in the Valley is headed your way next. back on an accent of the south we are the y'all show and today we're accentuating clemson university in clemson south carolina as the tigers are our latest stop on our tour getting you ready for the start of college football stop number 43 of 44 one more place to go we're saving that one for Friday, but right now today, we're talking about that number three ranked in the AP poll, number two ranked in the coaches poll is where they're ranked number two, the Clemson Tigers. And boy, what a program Dabo Sweeney has created there in the upstate of South Carolina. We have already in hour one walked through Clemson's schedule. They get their season underway Saturday evening in Charlotte as they have a top five battle number Three slash two Clemson versus number five, the Georgia Bulldogs. That's part of the Duke's Mayo kickoff right there at Bank of America Stadium in Uptown Charlotte. What a fantastic game that is going to be, and I will be watching with bated breath. I bet you there's a very good chance you will too. But that's football, that's tradition. Let me, well, I'm going to talk about tradition. But that's what's coming up real soon in terms of Clemson's 2021 schedule. What about the university itself? Are you that familiar with Clemson University? It is a public land-grant research university located in that northwestern corner of the state of South Carolina. It's about 30 to 40 minutes from Clemson across a county or two. You'll get into Greenville South Carolina. Clemson is about an hour and a half at most from Atlanta. But it's in South Carolina. A lot of people don't know where the heck Clemson is. It's right there. Clemson started its history. It was originally a plantation. That whole area, I think it was called Rose Hill, and it was the plantation of John C. Calhoun and Calhoun had a daughter named Anna Maria and she married a Yankee oh goodness Anna Maria Calhoun the daughter of this incredible South Carolina statesman John C. Calhoun she married a Yankee say it ain't so a Yankee named Thomas Green Clemson And 
upon Thomas Green Clemson's death in 1888, or before, I guess, it was set up. But essentially, Thomas Green Clemson's wish was that the plantation that John C. Calhoun had that he ended up inheriting upon Calhoun's death would become a college. And that's what happened. And that's how Clemson got its start. Clemson's have called, uh, historians have called Thomas Green Clemson a quintessential 19th century Renaissance man. Hmm. As he was a politician, a statesman, and was an ambassador and once head of the U.S. He was called the United States Superintendent of Agriculture was a job he once had. He also was a Confederate officer and was credited with founding Clemson University right there on that. I call it a plantation. It was really more, it was a plantation, but it was more of a summer home, if you will, for John C. Calhoun, founder of Clemson University. But Clemson today is far, I'm sorry, I called it Rose Hill. Fort Hill was that plantation turned Clemson landmark. And Clemson benefited from the fact that the Land Grant Act, the Morrill Land Grant Act, went through years, just years after John C. Calhoun's death. During the Civil War, that became law. And then in the post-Civil War time period in the South Carolina legislature, there was an effort to start a agriculture school. And that's what happened. And Clemson was set up its technical year they list as a founding 1889 132 years ago the Clemson Agricultural College of South Carolina is how it was first set up and in its early days Clemson was a military school it was a place where you would go and learn about farming and a little bit about military you'd have to wear uniforms and march and do all that fun stuff that these land-grant schools often did. Their signature building there, Tillman Hall, that named after Pitchfork Ben Tillman, who was a governor of South Carolina, probably did more than anybody to help get Clemson up and going in the days after the Civil War. And Clemson ultimately, again, as a, a military school with a Corps of Cadets, a second college in that state, with a Corps of Cadets as the Citadel, also a military school, still existed in Charleston. And the Citadel predated Clemson by some 40, 50 years. It was started in Charleston in 1842. So you had two military schools going up against each other. Ultimately, the Citadel won that fight. Clemson gave up the military aspect around 1960 and became this giant school that we know it today. And today, what Clemson is, is a very well-respected university, 1,400-acre campus right on the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. There are 26,000 students at Clemson University, 20,000 undergraduates, and another 6,000 postgraduate students that make this college what it is. And it continues to get great honors. Clemson is classified among... R1 doctoral universities, very high research activities. I've been to a game in recent years at Clemson where they've got the big banner promoting U.S. News and World Report. It ranks Clemson tied at 74th 
among all national U.S. universities. That is their rank according to U.S. News and World Report. Clemson has seven colleges within its academic setup. The College of Agriculture, Forestry, and Life Sciences, the School of Architecture, Arts, and Humanities, the School of Business, the Behavioral, Social, and Health Sciences Department, the School of Education, the School of Engineering, Computing, and Applied Sciences, and then they have a Department of Science. I'm surprised that I'm a program devoted to national championship football teams. But Clemson and Clemson, South Carolina is on the move athletically and on the move academically as well. Let me tell you about some famous Clemson University alumni. I went to a camp there in high school, forestry camp. I'm not sure that counts. I was hoping to get on there. But I've got a brother who is a Clemson University alumnus and a whole bunch of extended family. And I've got family headed to Clemson. I already got scholarships. So orange is not really directly in my blood, but indirectly it is. How about alumnus Jim DeMint? He was a South Carolina senator for many years. He is a Clemson University alumnus. He shows up on Ranker.com's listing of famous alumni. Former ambassador to Canada, David Wilkins, is a Clemson University alumnus. Former Clemson football player, former Philadelphia Eagle, Brian Dawkins, Clemson alum. Here's another big-time football player in the NFL and Clemson alumnus. Played for the Raiders and more. Chester McLaughlin went to Clemson. Perhaps Clemson's most famous player ever, and they've had some great players, including the number one pick in this year's NFL draft. But I don't know if Trevor Lawrence holds a candle to the fridge. William Perry, Aiken, South Carolina's own, who played at Clemson up until 1984. Then he just happened to be moving on to the NFL in the 1985 draft, and it was a rookie William Perry that was one of the big stars of that Amazing Chicago Bears Super Bowl champion team, Super Bowl shuffle team of 1985. Also a famous Clemson alumnus is a lady that won both the USA, Miss Miss USA title, and she won Miss Universe. Clemson alumnus Sean Weatherly. She won those titles back in 1980. How about that? Another Clemson alumnus. This is from the basketball world. This is from the Chicago Bulls winning a bunch of championships era. How about Horace Grant? I would say, without a doubt, the most famous Clemson basketball alumnus. Here's a guy I'm not familiar with. He was born in the home of the Gamecocks. Rob Hubel, a comedian and TV producer, known for his work on the MTV series Human Giant. Rob Hubel is a Clemson alum. Again, these names coming from the website Ranker.com. Mark Tremonti, a record producer and guitarist, lead guitarist of Creed and Alter Bridge, a Clemson Tiger. James Dickey, the famous novelist and poet, born in Atlanta, but schooled at Clemson University. James Dickey, he shows up number five on Ranker.com's listing of famous Clemson alumni. Another one, and I have to really question this one, 
Hmm. Number four on this list is Gaines Adams, who played defensive end in the NFL for a couple of years. He played at Clemson, where he was a unanimous All-American. Drafted in the 2007 draft. Played for the Tampa Bay Bucks and Chicago Bears and then died in 2010 from a previously undetected heart condition. The Greenwood, South Carolina native who died in his hometown January 17th of 2010 at the age of 26. Gaines Adams, the late Gaines Adams, according to Ranker, one of the most famous Clemson University alumni. Showing up at number three, what an absolute beauty. Nancy O'Dell, you know her from all of her work on TV and the syndicated news shows that she's been a part of. Nancy O'Dell, Sumter, South Carolina native, a former Charleston TV personality who went on to the bright lights of national fame with her work on Entertainment Tonight and more. She's a Clemson alum, even went back and received an honorary doctorate of humanities from Clemson. The woman that turned down Donald Trump's offer to go shop for furniture in Palm Beach, Nancy O'Dell. <laughs> All right, another Clemson alum according to this list. Uh, but speaking of Donald Trump, this guy is not on this list, but speaking of Trump, I don't know the guy's actual last name, but George, if you ever watched The Apprentice, that old guy that worked with the Trump organization, George went to co- college at Clemson University. Dolph Lundgren is a Clemson alum, did not know that, the Swedish actor, filmmaker, and martial artist. Clemson alumni Dolph Lundgren shows up at number two. And then again, I have some questions about Ranker.com and the way they do things. They have listed, and the guy did go to Clemson. Number one on their list of Clemson alumni is former U.S. vice presidential candidate and former North Carolina senator, a guy that went down in shame, John Edwards, who was born just down the road from Clemson in Seneca, South Carolina, the Democratic nominee for vice president alongside John Kerry back in 2004, and he is listed as a Clemson alumnus. And that's Ranker.com's listing of famous alumni. I'm trying to think if off the top of my head, there's some that they missed out. And, yeah, let me go ahead and throw some out there. Starting with a lady named Nikki Haley, who was South Carolina's first female governor and ended up leaving that job to go be the U.N. ambassador for the United States. Nikki Haley, and she's just chomping at the bit for Donald Trump to not run for president so she can jump in there and try to be the first female president. Orangeburg, well, she's not. She's from um, Denmark or Bamberg. Maybe she's from Bamberg. That's her hometown. Went to high school in Orangeburg. Nikki Haley, famous Clemson alumnus. Don't want to leave out a guy that's in the news a lot. Former Clemson quarterback Deshaun Watson could be a bad boy. Could be. We talked earlier about a great Clemson basketball player. Horace Grant, we don't want to leave out his brother, Harvey Grant. Harvey, I'm sorry. Yeah, Harvey Grant was a player, but also the first black student ever at Clemson was Harvey Gant, 
who would go on to be the mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina, Clemson alumnus. And Harvey Gantt was the first black to ever go to a college, a white college in the state of South Carolina. Guy playing for the Las Vegas Raiders right now is Hunter Renfro, fantastic wide receiver. Also, a Clemson alum on the country music charts. Man, this guy's good. Lee Bryce, a former long snapper for Tommy West Clemson Tiger football teams. Got to go to break with a little nah, – we'll go to break with, with Tiger Rag, sorry. And lastly, perhaps one of the biggest Clemson people and certainly a guy who really helped put Clemson on the map politically and with all of his love of – of decades of being South Carolina's senior senator, the late Strom Thurmond, a Clemson University man, went to it back when it was a military college around World War I era because Strom was born in 1900 and died in 2000, 2001 at 100 years old. And Strom Thurmond is a Clemson guy. Although his, game, his daughter, Nancy, who I had a summer school class with once, she was a gamecock. I wonder what happened there. I wonder how many fights she and her dad had about that. Lastly, as we wrap up our talk about Clemson University, let's tell you about some of the traditions. Of course, wearing orange is a huge Clemson tradition. You know about running down the hill. They call it the most exciting 25 seconds in college football. The tradition of running down the hill started out of a practicality. The football team used to dress at Fike Fieldhouse and run, ran from there to the gate and down the grassy hill onto the field at the start of each game. But now they bust the team around the stadium two or three minutes before kickoff, and it's a, it's a big spectacle. I'm sure you've seen it on TV. Another thing Clemson does that I've never seen anybody do is they pass out $2 bills with Tiger Paws stamped on them when they go on the road. This started because in 1977, Georgia Tech decided to stop playing football against Clemson. And to help protest that, students and alumni stamped $2 bills with Tiger Paws and used them all around Atlanta to illustrate the money that Clemson fans spent at athletic events. Today, Clemson fans still use $2 bills when going to away games to show the impact of the Clemson nation across the country. Don't give one of those to me, y'all. Another tradition at Clemson, as you go down the hill there, you got to rub the rock if you're a football player. This rock came from Death Valley, California, brought there. Legendary coach Frank Howard told his players if they gave him 110% effort, that they could receive the privilege of rubbing the rock. The team won that game against Wake Forest in 1967, and now football players rub it for luck as they run down the famous hill to the cheers of Clemson fans. That song, Tiger Rag, that you're going to hear in just a second is a tradition at Clemson. As Tiger Rag gets the throng there on both sides of the stadium, just going full throttle for the Clemson Tigers. Another tradition at Clemson, outside of maybe the athletic teams, you got Clemson Blue Cheese. And what's cool about this is it actually ties into a tunnel that was constructed during the Civil War by Confederate forces. They were trying to come up with a tunnel through some of the mountains around Clemson, and then the Civil War came to an end, so you had this unfinished tunnel, 
and it's called the Stump House Tunnel. And in 1941, a dairy professor at Clemson decided to start curing cheese in this tunnel. And today, Clemson Blue Cheese is a tradition, and it's sold throughout South Carolina and beyond, and you can get it online as well. Clemson also has their own brand of ice cream, and that's available at the 55 Exchange Store and more. And speaking of food in Clemson, South Carolina, and just really cool things that go on, Brent Brent Musburger, I can't say his name, Brent Musburger would be extra proud because he used to love to go do games there at Clemson. When he was at CBS, you are looking live at Death Valley, Clemson, South Carolina. He would love to talk about the Esso Club, and that's a great little bar right outside of Clemson's football stadium and on the Clemson campus. And that is some of the fun that we have telling you about our great southern college towns, places that you can go see a wonderful football game. And everybody, it is college football time and we here at the Y'all Show have had a ball telling you about these great places like Clemson, South Carolina, getting you ready for the start of the new season. When the Y'all Show comes back, Tiger Rag will be put back on the shelf. We will get back to some headlines going on across the South. And before the hour is up, a look at some of the festivals this Labor Day weekend across Dixie. This is the Y'all Show. Go get your orange overalls on, y'all. Back into y'all on a Thursday, 803-816-1170 is how you can reach out and connect to us here. And I hate to keep stressing this, and I hate to keep bothering you if you're not a big football fan, but it's kind of a special time for a large slice of the South with the start of college football. And with that in mind... AL.com has posted a story as we look at headlines across the South here with your host, John Rawl, on the Y'all Show. The best Huntsville beers for college football season. That's just been posted. And, yeah, you can go to Huntsville, which is now the largest city in the state of Alabama. So go check out this article if you're a person that likes a good cold beverage from time to time. And here on their list of some of the beverages worth checking out, Chandler Ford's Brewing Quaff Zwickel, a German-style Festbrier, fest beer, is great for drinking all day at the tailgate or backyard cookout, says Chandler's Ford head brewer Doug Tibbs. It's got a 4.6% alcohol by volume, and you can get two-go packs of four. That's available September while supplies last, made with 100% German-grown barley and hops, fermented under pressure with German lager yeast, naturally carbonated from fermentation and lager condition for five weeks. Now, one of the reasons I think this beer might be from Huntsville is Huntsville has a history of having German residents. That's where Werner von Braun came, along with all his other former Nazi rocket scientist to help start the NASA space program. And I'm assuming that's part of the reason that 
German-themed beer is available in the Rocket City. Another beverage worth checking out, according to AL.com, is the Fractal Brewing Project Invariant Amber Ale, which they describe by the owner-founder Larry Lowe as a classic American amber. It's the perfect beer to take with you to a tailgate party. It's got to-go packaging of six packs of 12-ounce cans that cost you about 10 bucks. 5.3 on the ABV scale. And one more I'll throw out there for you. How about this one? The Old Black Bear Brewing Octobeer. I'm sorry. Old Black Bear Brewing Octobeer Fest. Octobeer Fest Marzen Lager. Owner of that is Todd Seaton. Says that this particular lager is the perfect balance of refreshing, but with enough malt to enjoy on a cool night. All of these adult beverages you can read more about at al.com. The article, The Best Huntsville Beers for College Football Season. Got to go to Huntsville, though, in most cases if you want to try this stuff. Okay, up next, speaking of college football and having fun, at least the city of Memphis might be trying to avoid being the party pooper as the city of Memphis is now backing off of tailgating restrictions at the Liberty Bowl, where the Memphis Tigers will start their season against Nichols State this weekend. The city of Memphis has tweeted there would be some limitations on tailgating, but it has taken a step back on their original plan. In a tweet, the city of Memphis has stated that due to an overwhelming demand, tailgating can continue at Toby Park during all football games this season, The tweet then goes on to give more specific information about purchasing parking spaces, saying it's on a first-come, first-serve basis. I don't know what their original tweet was because they've done a good job of cleaning it up, but here the city of Memphis did put out the following tweet about Tiger football tailgating at Toby Park. Due to overwhelming demand, tailgating can can continue at Toby Park at all football games this season. Here's what you need to know, though. Parking spaces will be sold on a first-come, first-served basis only on game day. The lot opens at 10 a.m. Saturday, September 4th. A single parking space is $15. You may buy up to four spaces. Every vehicle parking must have a parking ticket. Current Shelby County health directives must be followed. I don't know what the original thing is. That's not what's newsworthy. What's newsworthy is, all you Memphis Tiger fans, you can go to Toby Park and tailgate starting Saturday when the Nichols Colonels come to Highland, technically to the Liberty Bowl. And lastly, this story from the state of Mississippi, a gospel legend has died. He's died at the age of 75. Gospel singer Lee Williams of the Spiritual QCs, an award-winning gospel music group. And Lee Williams, according to the article that I'm checking out here, lived by the songs he sang. And he's passed away again out of, I think his native Mississippi was where he was from. The gospel singer of the spiritual QCs, Lee Williams, dying this week. That's a look at some of the news headlines when the Y'all Show comes back. As we wrap up this Thursday edition, we're going to take you across a quick trip of some of the southern events going on this weekend. 
from festivals celebrating the nation's workforce. Labor Day 2021 is here. All that plus some other fun stuff going on. All that is coming up next as we wrap up this Thursday Y'all Show. We are Talk with a Southern Accent. Just get burned. We don't have to feel like dirt anymore. Though love's not hurt, baby, it's our turn. We were always looking for tuna with our heads in the clouds, just a little off course. But I left that motor running. Now if you're feeling down and out, come on, baby, try. Just a smidgen of this Thursday Y'all Show left, so let's wrap it up here for the day with a quick look of where we can drive across the South. Thank you, Susie Boggess, for giving that little tip of what we can do here this weekend. If you're looking for a good road escape, you can head on over to Coleman, Alabama this weekend at Smith Lake Park. It is the Sweet Tater Festival. That's going on this weekend in Coleman in North Alabama. Going on this weekend in Clarkston, Georgia, the Black Pride Atlanta Outdoor Festival. Going on in Clarkston, Georgia at the Georgia Piedmont Technical College. That's going on this weekend. This weekend taking place in Mississippi if you want to head to the Magnolia State for a holiday getaway. In the state of Mississippi this weekend, go check out and making the Mactown Blues Festival. That's taking place right there in Macon at Magnolia Drive is the location of that. This weekend in North Carolina, so many great choices there throughout the year. And here on this Labor Day weekend in Hendersonville, North Carolina, near Asheville, it's the North Carolina Apple Festival, and that's from Friday all the way through Monday if you want to go to that little special place in the state of North Carolina. So much excitement going on across the southeast here on the Y'all Show. We appreciate y'all for being a part of the fun, and we will be right back here again Friday. It is our first Y'all kickoff show to have in our first hour, and then we'll take it from there. We'll go from the Y'all kickoff show to the rest of the y'all show thank you for listening i'm john rawl y'all.com is our website